0: Okay, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm not sure that we actually read this, we may have jumped ahead of it, so in the risk of that we might have already done this, I think it wouldn't hurt to read chapter 2 verses 3, I'm going to start with verse 3, and go to verse 11. Ed, why don't you read that for us please.
1: I can't see my eyes are doing this one okay. let nothing be done through strife or uh, vainglory but in the lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man in his own things but every man also in the things of others let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God though it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of the reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being formed in the fashion as man, he humbled himself, <clears throat> and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father
0: to me this is one of the most profound quotes of Paul I think most of this is a quotation Uh, apparently it's poetry so it's likely to be a hymn
1: I mean they were singing this hymn
0: yeah that's that's what some scholars think i believe Hmm. either that or it's a it's a creed it's but it's it's in my version it's put in poetic form Hmm. indicating that it has the features of a poem Hmm. and certainly uh, verse three to five sets the stage for that poem Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I'm tempted to think that Paul wrote this poem. And here's why. If you take verses 6 to 11, and you put them... Side by side with Isaiah 14. And hold your finger at Philippians and turn to Isaiah 14.
2: Isaiah 14, you said, right?
0: Yeah. So we're in Philippians 2, but we're also looking at Isaiah 14 right now. Because I've just said that it seems to be, to me, that Paul actually did write this poem, even though a scholars think that he quote, he's quoting it.
1: Uh, which verses were you saying through this
0: 6 to 11 Six. is the poem. Yeah. I, the reason I think Paul may have written it is because I see it as an inverse take on Isaiah 14. If you look at uh, Isaiah 14, verses 12, How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of God? How you are cut to the ground, you who lay the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly on the heights of Zaphon. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to Shoal, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, who would not let his prisoners go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory. Each in his own tomb, but you are cast out, away from your grave, like the loathsome carrion, clothes of the dead, those pierced by the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a corpse trampled underfoot. You will not be joined with them in burial, because you have destroyed your land, and you have killed your people. And you go to Philippians 2: Let this mind, same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not e- regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. humbled him, so He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You start out with Jesus being Lord in, in Philippians 2. You start out in Isaiah 14, verse 12, with him being Lord, but then it, rapidly he ascends and he takes on all the honor and glory for himself. And he, he destroys people until so he's cast to the depths of Sheol, And he's not even buried. He just lies like Curion.
3: Like Carrion? Dave Carrion?
0: No. <laughs> Carrion as in a different spelling. Oh. <laughs> a dead animal. <laughs> it seems to me that Paul is thinking Isaiah 14 and saying Jesus did the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And, and everything that happened to Jesus is the opposite of that.
4: But uh, if that was a, a poem that he was quoting, couldn't someone else have come up with that? It's idea?
0: possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm.
4: But that's an interesting kind of anti-parallel between those two verses.
0: Well, it struck me, this was some years ago, it struck me that this was, there was something in touch right. with that it passage. That it does
4: seem to be sort of a mirror image.
0: hmm Any questions or comments?
4: He
2: definitely lays it out pretty plain, mm-hmm. especially in, in 3 and 4.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: well and five also but yes
0: can you imagine what would happen to the Seventh-day Adventist Church if everybody started regarding others as better than themselves mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. and by others you, you don't mean Baptists or Catholics or something do
3: you <laughs> <laughs> others can
0: be totally open-ended <laughs> <laughs> inclusive
4: yeah. no I agree
0: I, I'm thinking, actually, within the church because there's so much fault finding and criticizing yes. going on. But yeah, but even but, it, but if general. we were to become generous toward Baptists and Catholics and others, just think what that would do for us.
4: Well, and more importantly than what it would do for us is just. It just for Christianity in general that you know the the biggest you know complaint people ha- seem to have you know from Mahatma Gandhi on is that okay you say you follow this God but you don't live anything like what you say he is and so why should I believe that he even exists and it's if we could actually as a group actually start to live by the principles of God's kingdom even if people choose not to agree with it they would still be forced to to take a look and say okay there is definitely something different going on here um that, that we have this you know group of of disparate people from different backgrounds different countries different you know some, some maybe you know politically left leaning some could be politically right leaning but they still they love each other they get along they there there's no explanation for how they are in you know in such unity together? Other than there's something else going on there than just is the normal day to day thing, and they would be forced to at least take a look at it. Now they could end up rejecting uh, and say, "Well, I could never do that," but at least then it's on them and mm-hmm. not on us as to why they choose to yeah. to reject God.
0: I, I must confess that I've been. And I'm going to point the finger at me. I, I was brought up short this week for something I said in this class that a listener uh, online brought to my attention that I had to make right. So, but if, if I were to really be humble and be unselfish and loving, maybe Jesus' words wouldn't ring in my ears Uh, And and that is, you traverse land and sea to make a single proselyte, and then you turn him into twice as hell, son of hell, you yourselves are. I I sometimes think of that in terms of where we are.
4: Yeah, I mean, have we... Is the gospel still good news when we're done with it? Or <laughs>
0: have
4: we <laughs> turned it into a bondage of some sort?
0: Your words are powerful and good, but mm. but your bodily presence is, is says the opposite thing.
4: Right.
2: I think a lot of times we get caught up in the fact that we're so busy, I'm saying we as a general term, um, that we are so busy thinking and planning for heaven that we forget to deal, to live, model Christ's life here and now. And we have a negative influence on people that were around because they look at us and they go, well, you say you're a Christian, but yeah, you're not. We don't see the characteristics of Christ in you. And so I think a lot of times we can lose our focus about, you know, oh, I'm planning for heaven, you know, that's my goal. And so we don't necessarily live the life we should here and now because because we're so caught up in the future, not the present.
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right, but it's, I think, because we've been deceived into taking on a uh, human uh, model, construct, that we kind of work our way to heaven, and if we don't, we get punished. So we don't have much concern about what like Christ is saying love people and take care of others and... Don't be salvation vain, glorious, and so forth.
0: And and your you
1: church had just done this. And when you talk about when you're a child, I can really resonate with that. You know, it just uh, not so much in the family, but in the school, and it just uh, you know it's really frightening all the stuff going on. And when I <laughs> see the teachers what they were doing with each other, like all the kids knew, it's like just didn't fit. You know. But then we went out in the world a bit more Well, they were friendly and nice and caring.
0: I lost I lost a friend who worked for the church. I, from he left the church. And one of the basic reasons that he it was a step by step progression. So this was like the beginning point it was um, this person went to went out of the bubble of the church into the real world and discovered that there were nice people out there. And somehow his Adventism had been such that only Adventists were the only nice people. Which, um, Unfortunately, I don't think we fit that, <laughs> especially now. I, th- I think earlier it was a little truer, but I just think that people are people and that God, they're all God's children. And humility allows us to do that—to to regard them as all of God's children, and to be inclusive. It's arrogance that makes us critical and fault finding, and think we're self—we are better than other people. Every time we criticize someone, we think we're better than them.
4: It could be partially arrogance, and I think also partially fear of trying to look around and say, "Well." If, if you can find that, making yourself feel better to, to try and convince cause you, at some level, you know that you are falling so far so far short of any, it doesn't matter what standard gets set, and you can set your own standard of what you think is right, and you still don't even live by it much less what God's uh, standard is. And so you know that you're continually tripping on this, and so you got to look around and say, okay, well, at least I'm doing better than them. I'm doing better than them. And trying to make yourself feel a little bit better. And, it's, um, and so I think there could be more than one reason for, uh, for doing that.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think to a person who has been raised legalistically and has a lot of that fear, the thought of being humble is just nasty, tasting medicine. Because it means, it, to them, it means being subjugated. To them, it means being, um, I'm trying to think of the word I want, being denigrated. The word humble seems to have those connotations in some areas. Well,
1: it doesn't fit with the concept of legal. Because you're not humble. You're not, you know, it doesn't fit.
0: It doesn't, it huh, it's, It isn't that legal is the opposite of humility. It is that they're not at all related. They're right. two like, different
1: completely different things. Completely yeah. different. It doesn't fit. So,
0: yeah. If someone's grown up oppressed by something,
3: they either take that on their adult life and become easy to oppress by others, or... They are anxious to become the oppressor as soon as they can. Mm -hmm. And so it just perpetuates itself in an ugly cycle. We need to break that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and what is it? So maybe we should ask ourselves the question, what is it that would give us this mind that is in Christ Jesus?
4: Well, One... One thing before we get into that is thinking, as far as what you are saying about, you know, false ideas of humility. I think that part of that is, I know when I was a kid, um, that my understanding of, of someone whose humility, uh, or let's say someone that was humble, was somebody who didn't think they were worth anything,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and it was a it was a value statement, uh, mm-hmm. and that that it was complete and it actually. It wasn't until I was an adult to start realizing that how much strength and, and and an understanding of your own value has to go into being able to be humble, uh, truly, and to be able to set that aside. Because you're not looking for validation from everywhere else because you already know, you're, you know how important you are to God and what mark do you need? And so you don't need that from anyone else. So you don't... you. So it's irrelevant, and you can just let go of that, um, which is a lot easier to say than it is to do. uh, But nonetheless, um, that...
3: It's expected that women be humble, but
0: not that men, right? That seems to be the stereotype out there. Um, Submissive. Women are expected to be submissive. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: But again, I think a lot of that has been uh, seen as being a a, a valued judgment, as as opposed because... Women
0: are inferior, women are weaker.
4: Right. um,
1: Therefore, men are better. Well, and also they tempt men. They tempt us.
0: (laughs) There's that too. Yeah, yes. don't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell a story to illustrate that that I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, but at any rate.
1: Yeah. We well, have a whole religious community. that That's part of the why the women are covered, because they tempt men. So the other man can't see your wife and
0: your daughter. That's the mental thing, the yeah. men thinking. Think. Oh, yeah. If they controlled their brains, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. And it, it, that's you know, frustrating. The, the women, according to a documentary I watched, women are very happy to go along with that because they're less stressed about men. Yeah. It's like societies, if their sister or their mother or cousin shame the men, they're allowed to kill them. Why? What gives you the right? You know. And if it shamed you, what have you done to cause that shame? Jesus said the
3: responsibility is on the person doing the lusting. Mm -hmm. It's not on the one who is lusted after.
2: I heard a a great illustration of that. It was somewhere, could have been back when I was in academy, and they were talking about that, and the speaker said, you know, it's kind of like you can't keep a bird at that point from landing on your head, but you can keep him from staying there. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm, That's a good one. Yeah. It, uh, it, it is. It uh, is. The word lust isn't a casual temptation passing through my head. Uh, the word lust has to do with taking, wanting to take someone and, and own them, possess them yeah, yes. sexually. Uh, it's. It's actually in your mind doing something about it.
3: You had a nice question before we got over it. Yeah, no, I don't remember
4: it. <laughs> uh, it had to do with uh, how do we get the mind of Christ.
0: Okay, yeah. How do we get humility and the mind of Christ?
1: We can't do it on our own.
0: No. Mm-hmm. What is it that creates it? How we are or how we get the mind. How we get the mind. Because well, Paul doesn't really tell us that here just elaborates on it on getting it although you could say that verse 12 and 13 therefore my beloved just as you have always obeyed me not only in my presence but much more now in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure there's, there's just what he means by work out your own salvation. I think we've always stumbled over that <laughs> and struggled with it as to what it means. But my understanding, and I'm informed by Ellen White in this, in The Di- Desire of Ages, that humility is caused by becoming uh, recipients of the love of God in our hearts. It's the love of God that humbles us. And perhaps that's what, how we work out our own salvation is that we, we dwell on the love of God. We read about the love of God. We try to in, take it and pray to be filled with it. Um, but it's obviously God who's the one who loves us and the one who uses the Holy Spirit to shed abroad His love in our hearts. Uh, that enables us to happen. It's not we who really engender it.
1: Well... Could that uh, verse 12 of the last working out your own salvation fear and trembling, <laughs> is, is that really speaking to us that we need to pay attention and really uh, look at this uh, just sort of benignly sort of sit? Really
0: yeah, I, I think it's a, a, to, to be invested really in it, to, to th- in take it active. seriously. Yeah.
1: It's a real
2: active. And it could be an invitation too to spend time in the Word, in conversation with God, because that's how you're going to get to know Him. You're not going to just all of a sudden wake up and have this great relationship with Him. It, it's a two-way street. And if we don't do our part, as in our own work, so to speak, mm-hmm. to make that effort.
1: How about the definition Hebrew, the Greek the concept of fear, because you fear God and so forth. So. It's,
0: it's, it goes back to the Hebrew Bible. Every Hebrew word has a spectrum of meaning mm-hmm. because the Hebrew language is only 10,000 vocabulary in the, in the Bible. Biblical Hebrew is only 10,000 words. And you have to take out 2,000 words that are loan words from other languages and then another 2,000 words that are what we call pax legomena, or words used only once. Mm. So you have a working vocabulary of 6,000 words in Hebrew. <clears throat> but what the Hebrews did is add meanings to already existing words. Instead of doing like the Greeks and adding new words, or like English people do, they added already ex- new words to already existing meanings. So you end up with these words with lots of different meanings. And so fear is, is a good example of a word that has a spectrum of meaning. It can mean to be afraid. It can mean to be terrified. It can mean to respect it can mean to reverence it can mean to be awed. so you have that whole spectrum of meaning and you have to go by context like for example the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom Mm. how much does a child learn if they're terrified of God Mm. how much do they learn from Him not very much Um, so you have to then say that it has to mean respect Mm. and reverence then in respect and reverence, yeah, you're going to learn from your teacher and from God because you have respect and reverence. So that's that's where I would put fear here, is respect and reverence. Not go be afraid of God and work out your own salvation and terror and trembling.
3: This would have been a common term, though, right in the Roman Empire because they had to fear the emperor. They had to... Mm-hmm. fear these people so they understand what fear is because maybe many of them already lived in fear mm-hmm. and so he's playing on words that they already are in the daily experience of their lives mm-hmm. um one thing i just wanted to say here about paul is that throughout his letters he's always making parallels between uh this is the life of jesus or this is jesus our example And then he always puts in his own experience. Uh, And in this letter, he does that in Chapter 1. I know you've spoken about this already. He talks about being in chains um, and his situation. Uh, And then he talks about Jesus uh, becoming of no reputation to the point of death. And that's exactly what he's facing. He's always paralleling his situation with Jesus. Uh, And then he goes on to say, uh, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Um, God's working in you to will and to do for your good pleasure. So he's, he's setting up his story uh, in order to teach them to emulate him because he's emulating Christ. Mm-hmm. He's just done it in a different order
0: in this passage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So what would you do with the trembling here? The fear and the trembling
4: well, the thing that comes to my mind is simply is just a recognition that this is something that's of extreme importance, uh, that there really is Taking nothing really more serious. important that this is uh, needs to be taken very very seriously. It is literally a matter of life and death. Um,
0: okay, so that would be the trembling part you yeah know, this is this is do or die, yeah, kind of thing. Okay. Well, my
1: my translation says, you work out your own salvation with, you know, when you get around to it, and, and on Sabbath and. <laughs>
0: That's your um, my... perversion to you say.
1: <laughs> I mean, it really is emphasizing, like you're saying, it's really emphasizing um, the importance.
0: If if we're... this
1: is really a, a, the crux of what we're focused
0: on. Yeah. If we're really humble, we're going to tremble at ourselves, are we not? We're going to recognize how little good there is in mm-hmm. us, and tremble, lest we show any arrogance or high-handedness with other people.
1: I remember, it, like, in graduate school when I was starting upper-level science courses and things, how professors sometimes would give all kinds of indications where they word it but the more they know the they just feel they don't know anything uh, what are they talking about <laughs> it's so exciting so they know all this already and I'm just like and I just could never understand what they were talking about so I think that's what you're saying
0: Is that it's true it, it, trust me it's true it's actually true when I went to get my doctorate I I went to get it to learn not to get a degree. I mean, I, I intended to get a degree so I could teach, but I was really after the learning. And, and I learned and I learned and I learned and I learned for 15 years. And when I got done, I felt like I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you just, yeah. Because, because I knew that I had gotten outlines, but I didn't have all the details worked out. And so I've spent the words of the years since trying to learn. And I still keep finding I don't know enough.
4: Mm. Well, it keeps opening doors into whole other areas you didn't even know existed before. Exactly. So you didn't know that you didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And I, I think that's what heaven's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly uh, learning, 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 mm-hmm. and finding we don't, still don't know at all.
3: It'll be an Espy's delight.
4: Uh, I think, though, that uh, one thing that you said earlier is, is really the key in all of this, and that was that the underlying thing behind all of this is love,
0: mm-hmm. and
4: that it's then that it comes from God, and that to the extent that we're able to experience that and accept it, and recognize then as far as where that puts us in relationship with God and where we fit in relationship to everyone else that that is what actually makes this possible. Um, And that also as we then reflect this love back to God, and as our relationship with Him grows, that it's normal then for when you love someone, then the things that are important to them become important to you. And then so as we get closer to God, well, what's important to him? Well, the relationships is of, of ultimate importance and the, the relationships with, um, with other people and, um, and so, if you are so important to God, well, then you'll become important to me mm-hmm. as, as a mm-hmm. reflex of that and then also kind of on the same ideas is if, if I have a, a friend, someone I'm, that I care about, but then I take advantage of their children, I do, you know, things you know, whatever I don't treat their children well. What does that actually say about the relationship with, with them? You know, that, that you know, that would be a very good probably the fastest way to ruin that friendship would be to do something mm-hmm. to harm their children. And so
0: Or to take their wife or, or husband. Yeah, or,
4: exactly, but nonetheless with
0: their dog um,
4: <laughs> um that and so if we see the people around us in that saying that you know how we treat god's children is a reflection of how we actually feel about
0: god that's a very timely message you know in our world it's interesting that he says to them in verse
3: 12 as you have always obeyed so from what he's saying, I mean, um, obedience is not a problem. They're doing
0: everything
3: he's saying.
0: But they may be kind of arrogant about it. Look at what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, as you've always obeyed. So she, he's, he's, it sounds like he's trying to take them to the next level and, and urge them to mature. And yeah. it
4: also sounds like that ultimately then obedience is not the issue that he's talking about. Either.
0: No, yeah. It's, yeah. Not en- it's not enough. Well, yeah, but you Col- could
2: be obedient and not have your own salvation worked out.
3: Kohlberg's mm-hmm. stages of moral learning.
0: Moral development, yeah.
3: Yes, yes. They. Uh, you do it because of external, but you haven't yet fully internalized it. And so the fear and the trembling is actually internalizing the process rather than it just being mm-hmm. externally Imposed. motivated. Imposed,
0: yeah. Well... Stages one and two are definitely externally imposed, and stages three and four are externally imposed. It's not till you get to stage five and six that you then have this internal sense of I I I'm totally other centered. I'm totally thinking in terms of principles that guide me, and I'm internalized those principles. That's
3: what we're trying to get through to our students, is to internalize
0: all of these things. Uh-huh. I spend a lot of time on that. He's
3: yep. pulling luck And <laughs>
0: unfortunately, the last time I, I dealt with um, Kohlberg's stages of moral development, I could tell my students weren't getting it. And I'm like, oh, no, are they down on stage three? <laughs> because, you know, Kohlberg found out that you can only understand one stage ahead of yourself. So if you're on stage 3 you only understand stages 3 2 and 1 I and know that 4. Not
3: many people reach
0: that. <laughs> well stages. well he he found out he found out that only 25% of the population ever of any population ever reaches stages stage 5, five. Mm-hmm. and 15% uh, no 10% of the population reach stage 6. Mm. So a total of 25% reach stages 5 and 6. Mm. Yeah and I, I thought I I was like, how do I explain what these other stages are if they can't understand them?
4: Mm.
0: But Kohlberg claims that presenting a problem to solve that would push them in order to solve it, they have to move to yeah. a higher stage, yeah. um, is, is helpful. But it does seem to me that most people get stuck on stages 3 and 4.
1: Well... That's why a lot of countries, the leadership ensures that people stay uneducated, don't have access to be able to think things through, or are so busy trying to live day to day, they'll always be unable to go very far. Yeah, well, it's a lot, a lot easier real, to manipulate people if you. It's a real, yeah, it's a real active process. It's not a benign, just happen like people a lazy process. It's a real active.
0: I process. had an experience with an administrator many years ago that indicated just exactly that. And it's... He uh, was upset with the faculty, and he was trying to use me as a sounding board to try to get some idea of how to deal with them. And I was trying to defend the faculty. (laughs) Mm. And so I said, well, you know, the faculty are intelligent, and I think that they're expressing themselves intelligently or something like that. He said... I'd rather be dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> and I, I was like <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> This was many years ago, so <laughs> don't try to place who this was, <laughs> but uh, <laughs>
2: so for for me in particular, because I don't I have I'm not familiar with the, the stages, can you say what so they are?
0: the Kohlberg stages I'm putting this in very vernacular language. Yeah. It may not be totally them accurate. On the board. Um, Stage one is you obey because of who has the most power.
2: What obedience from power?
0: Yeah, that's childhood. Yeah, that uh, this is this is actually is uh, you're talking one to age five or something. And I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm winging it.
3: Look it on your cell phone.
0: Um, obedience, stage two, is still obedience from power, but you're more aware of another person, so it begins to be a little bit contractual, but not really. It's, it's, um, stage two is where I'm kind of stuck.
1: I think it's the part where you have an awareness of the other person's power. Okay. It's, yeah, I think it's along that line.
0: Okay, that's right. I think that's right. Uh, it's the awareness of another person's power. So it's it's kinda of like you're kind of describing from here
3: we go. Infancy to to adulthood.
0: Okay. Because what you said about number two, that's kind of in my mind, that's kind of how when you start in grade school you start thinking about the feelings of the other students around you
4: okay, so according to this says so stage one is is punishment oriented that if if you uh, in, intrinsic with that is the fact that as long as you don't get right. caught, it's okay uh but uh <laughs> nonetheless uh you're th- you're motivated well, stage, by avoiding stage
0: one is where you punishment. obey only because you'll get punished exactly and that's that's the only reason you obey
4: and um anyway, and then stage two. You're actually orienting more towards um, pleasure, um, and it's a, reward, a, a, yes, punishment, reward. and
0: reward. So it's, so it's if a you do the right
4: thing, you'll be rewarded.
0: Stage three is more of a contractual kind right. of, a, of. you
4: do it for me, it uh, you says sh- you should do it because you love your wife, or you should do it because.
0: This, this brings me right quit. back to my childhood. Uh, yeah. I stage, was on. St- I was on stage one one day when I was four years old, and I started thinking about why I obeyed my mother. And I decided it was because I didn't like the flack I got if I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I decided that wasn't a very good reason to mm-hmm. obey my mother.
4: So stage four then it has to do with duty. Yeah. Uh, and, uh And then law and order, and orientation. But then you started saying, okay, like human life is more important than property, protection. and, and
0: Yeah. Um, I would like to add to stage three, everybody's doing it. Okay, that's the adolescent stage. Everybody's doing it. Why can't I? Or everybody does it this way, so we should do it this way. Can work either way. Well, they didn't have my dad. <laughs> sure Social. Oh. I can see number three with a lot of these college students. Oh yeah, they're adolescents. <laughs> adolescents <laughs> last till twenty five, twenty six. But
2: you hear that? I'm out of it. <laughs>
0: So
2: you're
0: not. But, <laughs> but stage five also is the altruism stage. Hmm. We do it because of love. I I, I hesitate to say a contract on that stage for this reason. Stage three is very contractual. Yeah, I don't know what version we're looking at there, but none of uh, those pulling sound up a familiar different, different to me. It's
1: <laughs> a different
0: version. It's it's a very different version. It's one that is the. It's not Kohlberg. It's what. His, what his followers have made out yeah, of him.
1: Yeah, because that's not the original
4: take. That's or, not or, or how Kohlberg did it. And, and then, then I'm over the on Kohlberg another Kohlberg. thing that says, this is on simply psychology, level one is consider, is called pre-conventional morality. Um, yeah. Then there's conventional morality, post-conventional morality.
0: Yeah, that's, this is what psychologists have done with it. Kohlberg never published his work, and so it's been hearsay handed down and greatly modified Mm -hmm. by others. Well, at least we get some idea. Yeah. But stage five really to me is the altruistic stage where you move away from rules and external obedience into internal obedience. So that's why a contractual on stage five just doesn't Mm -hmm. work for me. It sounds to me like somebody made this that hadn't reached stage five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where does humility fit on stage, on, on Kohlberg's stages of moral development? At what mm-hmm. stage can we become? It's certainly not stages one and two. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Can't be three either. That's appropriate. It like no. It's
0: starting in five. I think really it is starting in five, yeah. Because obeying law and order does not make humble people. I've, at least I've never seen it work that way.
3: Is this another version of
0: obedience and punishment? Really? Yeah, it is. It's it's bigger. Yeah, it, it involves but the whole adults.
4: world. Except, but, you, except there is the recognition <coughs> of right and wrong and that there's a reason right. behind this it's not just that i'm doing this to avoid right. punishment it's uh, that's the rule and, and and there's a reason for the rules and this is important this isn't and that's, so that's only to,
0: people that are truly on stage four you can right. be you can do stage four actually at every level below low mm-hmm. and not real, have any cognizant or cognitional right. awareness of it
3: so adventists could get stuck at stage
0: four we, I believe we have many times. Yeah, that's right back to... I the, believe the current crisis in the church is the stage four crisis.
3: It's, that's why last generation theology is so strong, because it has the answer. If we just do our duty and obey, then Jesus will come back.
0: Yeah, and, oh. and that's, yeah. that's the whole issue of women's ordination, too. But
1: yeah, we yeah, just obey a, the church and, we and we the victims them, of the <laughs> <really> church... <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the vegan diet. Uh-huh. And we're in total selves of our food too. You know?
0: <laughs> um. Oh so, man! Um, so,
1: well, it, it really, you know, five starts getting into it, but the earlier steps, it's really me, me, me. Yeah. And then it starts moving.
0: So some, sometimes how I put them on the board, I put me. And then me plus you. And then me and us. And then... I'm not sure how to put... I don't remember how I put four. Me for you. It's it's a little... You have to... To do stage four, you have to lower yourself a little in terms of, of you know, condescending toward other people or something. And then uh, five is... No, me for you is five. I'm sorry. Four is um, me and them. And then five is me for you. And then six is really us. It's not how I've done it, but it's really how it works. Me drops out, is what happens. And it becomes totally internalized and other centered. See, if we
2: go back to number 4, and, the, uh, and then we look at um, verse number 3, it just doesn't fit. Mm-mm. Not in any way, shape, or form. Because per, or verse number 4 is definitely in number 6, I think.
0: Yeah.
3: And Jesus, when he started his ministry, was always at six.
0: I've always thought him as kind of five and six. Okay. Very, very altruistic, very other-centered. I, I see f- five as where other-centered becomes. i Sermon on the mountain. Oh, yeah, Sermon yeah. on the Mount is six.
1: Well, he was sinless, but he needed character development.
0: But he still had to become mature. Right. And he became mature by the way he suffered, which is how Kohlbergs assessed it, because you stop to solve a problem, you're suffering when you try to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. That's usually the case. Well,
1: our time is up. What I find interesting is that Adam and Eve, their, their kind of uh, temptations were different. They were not tempted like Christ was for his character development.
0: Well, that, I see that as t- more being tested than tempted. Because Christ was t- tempted in all points like as we are. Right. That was in the mind of Adam. So I'm, I'm prelapsarian <laughs> in my view. That was, so I, I see his suffering as at a different level. Well,
1: he was deceived. Adam, he, they were deceived. Right. And also there was a, um, an inducement. Mm-hmm. but you'll get you'll know more, more you'll
0: get you'll become like God no I'm
1: trying to think how the word the third part that Christ had that they didn't get that in his character development
0: well Christ in his character development had the highest level of empathy possible right and that's why he could become sin who knew no sin he could actually empathize that to that extent on that level so that he could become sin bearer that's how I read Hebrews mm-hmm. in that. So he had to mature by suffering. And you imagine, you know... Oh, I'm getting on a new topic and I better oh, quit.
1: That's the third, the third thing that he had in Abedin. He didn't have... He was threatened. Right. Uh, he had the threats so in didn't have threat.
0: Um, inducement actually, I, I would say that they did have the threat. What would be the threat? The, the threat was the serpent trying to persuade them that the order of things had changed and that they were now dealing with a magical universe and not a cause and effect universe. And that left the door open for the threat that God would kill them. But Because why are they afraid of God when he comes if they don't feel threatened? So the way he twists God's words... Leads them to maybe think that he's threatening them. And in fact, she, when she quotes God, she utters it as a threat. In the day for, uh, for um, lest you die, she says, hmm. as a threat. Hmm. God said it as a, a statement of fact. Right. She turns it into a threat. A threat, okay. Dear God, we thank you for the richness of your love and of your humility. In all of Christianity, we tend to emphasize only the love and not the humility. And as a result, we don't always understand what your love really is. I pray that we may not make that mistake and may continue to understand and grapple with who you are and what your humility means. And most importantly, to become like you in humility.